There was a time when we were one unified point of consciousness, a singularity that in fractions of a second exploded in a big bang. Since then, life has been evolving exponentially, accelerating. Roughly two million years ago, we started using tools and technologies to extend our abilities. As life continues to evolve exponentially, the Two Parts podcast explores the opportunities of modern day tools and technologies as part of our greater becoming. Welcome. Two Parts podcast is a production of I Am Connected, a digital platform dedicated to the evolution of consciousness. Check us out at IamConnected.com. Today's guest is Brian Gillen from the Tech for Dreaming community. Brian started the Tech for Dreaming community as a focus for applying technology to making lucid dreaming more accessible. During the day, he works on the product team for Aura and makes Aura Ring, but by night, he's an avid lucid dreamer that is continually exploring lucid dreams and ways to make them more accessible to everyone. Brian's background is in chemical engineering and biomedical engineering and, and business, and he split his career between biotech, medtech, and wearable technology. He lives in San Francisco with his wife and his two-year-old son, and he's particularly excited to help people develop mind and consciousness-altering technologies, like substances and devices that promote well-being, intelligence, and or a connection to the paranormal. Brian and I explore everything from Aura as a market-leading piece of technology for measuring and optimizing sleep to dropping deep into lucid into the lucid dreaming space. What is it? How do you do it? Why would you want to do it? What does this what does the dreamscape show us about our waking reality? And even is it this waking state a dream? I really enjoyed our conversation with Brian and I hope you do as much as I did. Please enjoy this uninterrupted conversation with Brian Gillen and myself. Uh, hey Brian. Hey, hey. So we connected through the transformative technology community you, you, through your role at uh, Aura. I was um, volunteering as part of uh, Transformative Technology Global in putting together, like working with uh, people to write content articles and you at the time had um, put together a series of articles on lucid dreaming that we published um, and related back to the technologies at the time. And I've since become a huge fan of Aura. You know, we use it as a key piece of um, wearable kit as part of I Am Connected. I think um, Aura is just a great piece of technology. So I'd love um, if we could just start by like briefly talking about the work maybe that you do at Aura and, and also that the work that you're doing to build out a tech for dreaming, which is your community focused around technology in the lucid dreaming space. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good, Troy, and thanks for having me uh, today. So yeah, I'm over at uh, Aura, so we make the Aura ring. So it's a wearable ring that has a whole lot of uh, sensors packed in. It tracks sleep, activity, heart rate, heart rate variability, temperature, a whole bunch of, you know, different things. Um, yeah, I've been with them for a while. Um, so I was one of the first U.S. hires, um, first product manager um, over at Aura when they started the, the product org in 2019. Um, company started back like 2013 or so. Um, primarily based in Finland, but we started ramping up the U.S. team in uh, 2019. Um, so yeah, it's been quite the ride uh, since being there. Um, been able to um, be part of a lot of the growth, and um, yeah, definitely an exciting future too. 
Um, so that's kind of my my day job, and I, I work in the the product uh, team there still. So I've kind of bounced around a few different uh, product management roles there. Um, now I'm more on the the product partnership side. So we own the the Aura API, the means by which partners can pull data into their experiences and, and drive a lot of the product partnerships. Um, so yeah, that's my my day job. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, uh, currently uh, uh, organizing the community called Tech for Dreaming. So it's a community that is. Uh, focus on using technology to make lucid dreaming uh, more accessible to more people. And that kind of evolved, you know, during the pandemic, I used to lead the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, more general lucid dreaming group. It was called Bay Area Lucid Dreaming. Um, that was in person. Uh, we'd meet up down in the uh, lower hate neighborhood of San Francisco, a place called Cafe International. But then pandemic hit, decided to um, move those events online. You know, open up an opportunity to get more of kind of a global focus, get more people involved in joining the um, events, and then kind of narrowing the focus of that group to be that intersection of technology and lucid dreaming. And how can we make lucid dreaming more accessible uh, with technology? So yeah, happy to um, go further into Aura or you know, into yeah, tech for dreaming, like either either path here. Yeah, cool man. That's, that's great. Yeah, so maybe just dropping in on Aura uh, for a moment because it is such a, a great piece of kit. And um, like I said, we use it as part of our programs for Home Connected. It monitors um, sleep um, recovery, which is really important. Like we really focused around mental health to some extent. Um, I think we're all got healing uh, to be done. And there's such a, like what we see is so much uh, dysfunction shows up in our sleep. Um, you know, we can be doing our best day to day and um but if we're not sleeping right it just really compounds how we show up day to day and so by measuring sleep um and one, one of the things that it does for us is you know as a wearable technology it helps to create an effective feedback loop and so it's not then i know with a lot of wearables people have them and they'll look at the data and there's no intervention there's no change and so by having the support to actually uh, analyze your sleep and look at your sleep and, and then provide, um, in, work together to provide in, interventions that you can try. We, we work towards optimizing sleep, then optimizing recovery performance the next day, you've got your activity tracker. You know, you guys have been just adding features. You raised a hundred million mil last year, was it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, good, good timing for that before the, uh, external markets started to fall apart a bit. So we're in, we're in a good position here. And um, what is there anything that you can sort of share anything new and exciting coming up with Aura that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, the, the main thing that's been announced was that uh, the new sleep stage uh, uh, algorithm. So that that was part of the, uh, you know, part of the original announcement. So that's, you know, still progressing. And that's gonna, you know, just be a, a step change in, in positive accuracy upgrade um, for the Aura ring. Like we're already, you know, pretty accurate. Um, in a whole wide variety of, of metrics. And that helps us be this kind of credible validator of different, um, you know, different solutions or different actions that you take to, you know, as you said, get that feedback loop. So you can try different things, different experiments on yourself and see like, how did that impact my deep sleep? How did that impact my ability to fall asleep faster? How did it impact my sleep efficiency? So we kind of serve as that reference point uh, for people to try things and then see like, okay, what did that actually do? Um, I, I, there's this quote from, uh, one of the original founders of Aura, Petri, um, he would, uh, I'm mispronouncing that because, uh, when you do two consonants in uh, Finnish, you gotta 
there's like an up and down kind of sound. So it's a three. I'm, I'm butchering that, but um, I had to kind of weave in some of that. You'll, you'll hear a lot of, um, you know, great pronunciations around, around aura and many different words. Um, but yeah, Petri would say, uh, you know, make the invisible visible. Um, so we have this, we're unconscious, you know, every night during the night uh, and, you know, we don't, we don't really know what happens in our body, but devices like the aura ring can help make that invisible visible uh, for people. And the next level of that, which is the other space that you're working on is the dream space. And I just want to say, I actually haven't, I haven't talked in the last week, but I, uh, I had a lucid dream the other night, like they're becoming more frequent for me. And it's just the most amazing experience. Like when you actually realize that you're dreaming, I was in my house and then there was too many rooms in the house. I'm like, Hey, that we ain't got this many rooms. It's like, Hey, I'm dreaming. And I, and I, it was enough for me to become lucid and then start exploring the, the dreamscape and the dream characters. I'd love to know more about like your, your journey with lucid dreaming. Cause it's like, uh, it's, it's so like a lot of people don't even, you know, recall their dreams and there's su such a, so much happens in our dreamscape. And like, when we look at consciousness, like what happens like in our dream and our sleep cycle, and then we've got, we've got sleep cycle and a wake cycle. And so what we, we, we often don't pay much attention to our, our sleep cycle. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me about dreams. What's, what's it meant for you and lucid dreaming? My dream life really exploded in 2014. So that, that was a combination of a few things happening for me. I used to have sleep apnea, um, pretty severe sleep apnea. I actually got it diagnosed in 2014 and I was, you know, I would, I would stop breathing on average 37 times per hour. Um, so that definitely puts it in the severe category. Um, I got treated for, uh, sleep apnea with a CPAP machine. So I wore that for a year. Eventually I was able to get that fixed with surgery. Um, but right around the time I got my sleep apnea treated, I also started meditating for the first time. So the combination of those two things led to this tidal wave of first very vivid dreams and then um, starting to have lucid dreams. And like some of them pretty profound, like some of them were just mind blowing, like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. And um, like, I still get tingles feeling about some of those you know, thinking back to some of those earlier uh, lucid dreams. And that led me to just read more about it and um, understand the techniques better to increase the frequency of lucid dreams. And how do you stabilize a lucid dream once you're in a lucid dream? So I went and read a variety of books, implemented some, some of those techniques. I would have even more frequent lucid dreams, deeper lucid dreams, and that would only motivate me to read more about it. So I kind of went in this like iterative feedback loop of just some you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole, uh, if you will, with lucid dreaming, you know, really starting with getting sleep apnea fixed and meditating for the first time. But yeah, just kind of snowballed from there. So we haven't really been taught to pay much attention to our dreams, um, let alone lucid dreaming. Like what's there? Like, is it worth looking at from your point of view? Like tell it, tell us like some of the, the things that would make us want to go more into that dreamscape. Yeah, for sure. It's like one of those things where I didn't know I wanted to do it until I started doing it. Um, and then after having some of these lucid dreaming experiences, I was like, I can't believe people are not freaking out about this. And I think it's because it's difficult to get into the lucid dream state, right? It's, um, but yeah, it's it, like even words are kind of difficult to, um, you know, put around it. But there is some experiences where, you know, it, it would feel more real than this reality that we're in right now that, you know, you know, on this call together, it, you know, you can feel the, the breeze against your face. You can, the tactile sensations are all there. You can taste and you can smell, you can interact with these dream figures that seem like they're as intelligent, if not more intelligent 
you know, than me, which I don't know how high of a bar that is, but um, I would have conversations and like these, these dream figures would tell me things like, I don't think I ever knew that before. Um, you know, there's always space for like, maybe I read about something 10 years ago and kind of suppressed it into my subconscious and it resurfaces in a dream. But I swear there's like some things that like, I don't think I had that information until a dream figure, you know, told me that. And then I subsequently look it up online after I wake up. So I've had a few instances like that, that are super eye-opening that at least like make me open-minded to the possibility of lucid dreams and dreams being able to tap into kind of a non-local intelligence or consciousness, um, which if you were to, you know, ask my uh, more engineering minded self a decade ago, you know, he would have thought you're crazy <laughs> if you were to bring up that kind of stuff, but I can't refute my, my personal experience with some of those lucid dreams. So I think the potential is huge. I think it's underappreciated um, at this point, just due to, um, you know, kind of, kind of lack of, um, people that are having these kind of experiences yet. And that's where I think adding these new techniques and applying technology to make it more accessible will really kind of open up the space more and more. Yeah, I know, like, so you've been supporting me to get more active with uh, lucid dreaming and sharing different techniques. And I, I know um, the state checks throughout the day. So we're, mm -hmm. I'd, um, one of my favorites is like jumping up and, and, and then, um, and falling down because, um, obviously when you're flying in a dream and I'm thinking we probably all had those flying dreams or those dreams where we take off and we just don't seem to come down. It's uh, something that I have, um, sporadically. And so like doing those state checks during the day where I jump up and then fall down and then go, am I dreaming? Am I awake? Oh, I'm, I'm away. And, um, I just like have the realization when, um, cause we get so caught in the waking state sometimes in, in the internal narrative, in, in the story, in our conditioning that, um, like when I do these state checks in the, in the waking state, like, am I dreaming or am I, or am I awake? That it's like, well, is this a dream? Like, is this waking state a dream? And, um, like who's to say that this is more real than that state? Because like you said, when you're in that dreamscape and you're lucid, it feels as real as like anything else. I was wondering like, yeah, cause we could sort of jump into the whole, like, is this a simulation conversation? Um, like, and that's probably going to come at some point in this conversation. Um, but what's your take on it? You know, like doing the state checks for me, it's just like, really, it makes me question like, like wake up now. Like I'd be like, just wake up. Can I just wake up from this? Is this a dream? Yeah. <laughs> what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, before I would have thought that I was crazy, but you know, given some of my experiences with lucid dreams, I, I think it's possible. Um, I, I think the reality is nobody really knows for sure. And, and like to quickly go back to the, the state check thing, that is one of the fundamental um, lucid dreaming techniques to become lucid more. If you do these daytime reality checks, as they call it, um, that's one of the fundamentals. And um, just to kind of share my my go-to is I'll look at some text and then I'll look away. Then I'll look back at the text again and confirm that it's stable because in dreams, text often gets kind of jumbled up, you know? Um, so if you're able to kind of get in that habit of checking text and then acknowledging like, okay, it's stable, I must not be dreaming. Um, you'll more likely question it or recognize when the text is jumbled during a lucid dream. At least that one works pretty well for me. And at the end of that reality check, I'll try to levitate. Like right now, I'm like, I'm trying to levitate. I'm thinking like, okay, I can't levitate. So 
This must not be a dream. Um, and then it also doubles over as confirmation in the in the dream. When I think I'm lucid, I suspect that I'm lucid or that I'm having a dream. I'll levitate, and then it's like, okay, now I'm 100 percent sure uh, that I'm in, you know, that I'm in a dream. And now I can go about whatever kind of mission I've set forth or any kind of exploration I want to do, or you know, just kind of go with the flow, um, depending on like where my awareness is kind of drawn in, in that particular lucid dream. Um, so, anyways, just wanted to you know kind of mention that that reality check as as a fundamental. Um, you know, wait. The, the, the intention there is that um, in the dream, then you realize that it's different than the waking state. So this must be a dream, and then you become lucid. Uh, that's yeah, that yeah. Is, all right, yeah. And there's there's a bunch of different techniques, and I think you know certain techniques work better for you know various people. There's one where you plug your nose and you try to breathe through your nose, and you know, in wake in this waking life, um, you you can you cannot breathe through your nose, but in a, in a dream state, you actually can. There's another one with light switches, testing the functionality of light switches. There's there's a, like a whole bunch of different uh, reality check varieties that, that one could do. And, and you mentioned before like um, 10 years, like, well, receiving information that you hadn't been aware of before, and whether it's suppressed and unconscious and it's just coming out or not, it's still like, like can you use it like lucid dreaming for problem solving? Like what? Other what other practical applications are there for lucid dreaming in your experience? Yeah, I think problem solving is a, a pretty legitimate one. I can give an example of that. Um, or I could probably give a few examples of that. Um, people have studied it for uh, sports. If people can practice different actions, uh, you know, in in a lucid dream, there's some evidence that it's actually activating the same parts of the brain when they're actually practicing in this waking reality. Um, there's different benefits around nightmare. Um, like coping with nightmares, um, that might be one of the most practical kind of um, uh, applications um, early on for, for lucid dreaming. Um, and, and one of my favorite aspects is exploring the nature of reality and talking to these dream figures. And um, and yeah, just to make sure we don't lose track of the, the previous point too, of like this, this reality right now that we're in, is this a dream? Is there another level beyond that? I think one thing that makes me question that is I've had these lucid dreams where I go deep or I go in like several layers deep. And sometimes this happens when I meditate in a lucid dream, I kind of break away to a totally different mm -hmm. space where I feel like I'm in this kind of void and like dark blobby kind of nebulous kind of space. But then when I do that, it's not very uncommon for me to wake up into another dream and then wake up into another dream and then wake up into this waking reality. So who's to say that we can't wake up from another, from this waking reality into another space, or maybe we just don't have memory of this reality in that other space, whatever, whatever that is. Like maybe our, our recall of this quote unquote dream is very poor in that other reality. We're like, we're just not as connected uh, from this space into that space. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it does to me like exploring the nature of reality is definitely something that uh, I enjoy as well. Um, one of the things that I'd love to get your take on the fact that, you know, in, in, um, like through evolution, the, we've evolved in such a way that the, the brain, um, we've had to like, it had to develop muscle atonia to, to be able to, you know, suppress the body in the, in the dreaming state. And so why, why is it like that we've evolved? Like nothing in, in through evolution is, is happens by, by, by chance, you know, like we've, 
evolve with the with the, the nuance that the brain can't tell the difference between like a, a virtual world or the dream world and the um and and the waking state in in this this reality and so like why is that like it's like it must be it's intended for us to exist in in worlds within worlds within worlds because uh, do, do you know what i'm trying to say sorry but no, because no. the brain the brain because the brain can't tell the difference between the virtual or the dreamscape yeah. and, and like with the body so the body has to you know we it has to paralyze the body mm, muscle yeah. in the dreamscape it's like and then if you have a vr experience it's hard to tell the difference you think through evolution like the brain it would have made the, so that the brain didn't need to do muscle atonia um antonia mm. so that we, we, we would just knew the difference, um, but it did, doesn't. So if, if this was base reality, you would think that that would have been the case, right? That would, we would have evolved that way, but given it's almost like, this is like a VR kit. And then this is the haptic suit that enables us to exist in this, um, reality. Yeah. Or maybe we, uh, maybe we exist in a fundamentally, fundamentally different you know, kind of state or from some kind of plane of consciousness that's more pure and fundamental than, you know, the, the, this kind of existence right now. And like, this is, this is our avatars for this kind of plane of existence and our, our like broader consciousness or whatever you want to call that is kind of channeling into this, you know, like avatar of bones and flesh <laughs> here. Um, I, I've heard one theory about the reason dreams have evolved the way they, they have evolved are around the ability to rehearse things that are you know potentially going to happen in the future. So I could, I could make a, I, I, I could, um, I could see that being a justification for it feeling real. You know, if you really want to get a pure rehearsal of things that might happen, um, or, or kind of test out things you're afraid of, or try things kind of in a safe environment in the dreamscape, it probably pays to like have yourself actually buy into that being real. If like part of that is kind of rewiring your, your circuits or like activating the same parts of your brain as if they were to happen, you know, here in, in this, this reality. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. If what you were saying before though, about, um, existing in another plane of consciousness, it, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason that feels more true to me then you know, like we're, we're more than just this human existence. Um, so looking back, so what with, um, what you're doing with tech for dreaming, uh, and bringing technology into this, like, why is that work important now? Do you think leading into the future? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think lucid dreaming is unique because there's, um, there's kind of a finite number of portals or channels to, um, you know, connect with this kind of greater consciousness or um, to kind of probe at the nature of reality. I think it's things like lucid dreaming. I think meditation, I would put breath work in that category. I'd put psychedelics in that category. There's kind of like a handful of different kind of methods or portals, if you will, to, to be able mm -hmm. to kind of explore the nature of reality. And, um, and I think, I think lucid dreaming is one of the most promising ones or, you know, they don't have to be on different footing, but it's definitely one of those channels. And I feel like it's too important to not, to have it not be accessible to people that want to experience it. And right now it's just very difficult uh, for people to have lucid dreams or there's, um, 
you know, varying degrees of abilities out there of more of like kind of the innate talent for lucid dreaming. But I do think there is, um, there are, there's also kind of a skill component where I think anybody can learn to lucid dream. You know, they might not be as frequent of a lucid dreamer as the more kind of innate talented, uh, lucid dreamer. Uh, but I think, I think, uh, technology can help kind of fill that gap where, you know, even if somebody is not trained in these kind of mental techniques, maybe they're not keeping a, um, a dream journal every night. Um, you know, I do think there, there is a space for technology to make it more accessible, at least to get a taste of that. Like even just like, um, you know, I would, I would draw the analogy to, um, like using a heavy dose of psychedelics to get a glimpse into this other space that you can, you know, maybe you can get there with a few decades of meditation practice, but if you do a heavy dose of psychedelics, you might kind of do a quick shortcut to that space get a taste of it and then get only more motivated, um, to meditate and get into a real meditation practice to make that more of your default state versus, you know, a one-time trip. Um, but yeah, I, th I think lucid dreaming is one of those kind of handful of portals and just, I, I think it'd be a miss to not have more people, you know, to be able to experience that. And, and I think it's, it's something that, you know, doesn't really have a lot of negative downsides. You want to be careful about not disrupting your sleep, obviously, because sleep is fundamental mm. to health. Um, but once in a while, you know, I think it would be, you know, such a good upgrade for people to be able to lucid dream when they want to. Yeah. As a, as a tool to explore consciousness, explore themselves, explore what else is possible. So lucid dreaming on demand, I know is one of the things that you've talked about in terms of, uh, one of the missions of, or visions of tech for dreaming, just, uh, dropping back into like, what are the more organic tools that we can use today? Like what, what, what's best practice? Like, can you just give us the quick uh, checklist of what, yeah. what, what, what do we use today? And then maybe look at well, where's the technology at? And like, what, what, what are you seeing that's most likely to win moving forward? Yeah. And, and I think before anybody uses uh, technology for lucid dreaming, I think it's a good idea to build the foundation with more of the fundamental techniques, like more of these kind of mental techniques. And that includes daytime reality checks, like we were talking about earlier. Um, it includes keeping a, a, a dream journal to help with dream recall and remembering your dreams. Um, there's a certain other techniques too, as far as like waking up in the middle of the night and then falling back asleep with a strong intention to realize you're dreaming when you're dreaming next. So there's like a handful of these, um, foundational techniques that I think set the right foundation before you start to layer on, you know, the, these kind of technology elements, or I feel, I feel like they're better together at least. Um, and, and I would, I would, um, classify the technology as being in a couple different categories where there's, um, the more of like the, the substances or supplements, and then there's more of the devices in another category. I would put those kind of two side by side. Um, right now in the, uh, you know, more of the supplement category, there's a supplement called galantamine, which has the most evidence so far at both a four milligram dose and an eight milligram dose. There's a study with, um, you know, people that were at a lucid dreaming retreat in Hawaii, one of those Stephen LaBerge uh, retreats, and they're showing actually pretty good effects of this galantamine and taking that during the middle of the night. Um, 
there's a wide variety of other kind of devices that are kind of, I would say earlier stage in development or, you know, less proven at this point, but I could also talk about, you know, some of those, um, if that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think so. Like, so state checks throughout the day, um, is one thing having a dream journal is another thing, um, taking glantamine throughout the night. So that's best taken. Like you wake up about what, two AM just before you go into your REM sleep is, uh, from what I understand and yeah. we tend to get a REM mostly, uh, as we, it gets more proficient in REM, uh, as we get closer to our waking, um, state. Yeah, that's right. Like people will get most of their, or they'll get longer and longer REM periods as the night goes on. So it makes yeah. sense to um, get your deep sleep in the first half of the night because that's when you get your longer deep sleep periods, you know, on yeah. average. Um, so the um, in that study, they they waited about four or five hours after the person fell asleep and they had him wake up, do a mindfulness practice, and then they they took they took a dose of galantamine. There's a couple of different arms of the study or a couple of different dosages that they tested. Again, the four milligram and eight milligram dose. Um, and then they would have the person fall back asleep again um, after doing that. Because then the idea is, okay, you've taken this. It takes about an hour to reach the, the peak concentration um, within the person. Um, so then you're really targeting that effect to coincide with when the person has these longer REM periods and when the more kind of vivid dreams that are more, you know, kind of fertile grounds for uh, lucid dreaming take place. So you're kind of like timing the release kinetics of the glantamine to overlap with when these longer rent periods are uh, later in the night. Yeah, cool. And so is there anything else? Like, so state checks, dream journal, um, uh, checking in, like setting the intention before you go to sleep, having the glantamine in the middle of the night, any other things that anyone that's wanting to get more to try this should, should consider? Then we can look yeah, at the there's, tech. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's one technique I've been meaning to try more often, this um, sense-initiated lucid dreaming, where you cycle through these mindfulness techniques in bed of, um, you know, being aware of your, your kind of um, visual senses, you know, with your eyes closed, observing with the kind of the back of your eyelids, like the dark blobs, like kind of engage your visual senses and then engage in your auditory senses. So just like listen for any kind of sounds, whether they're happening outside you know, for instance, a neighbor vacuuming the, the floor above or, you know, hearing your own heartbeat, you know, whatever it is, and then cycle then to more of the tactile feel. So feel the, the pressure points of your, your body contacting the mattress and then cycle back to visual and just like go through that, like visual to auditory to tactile, back to visual, auditory, tactile, and just kind of cycle through that as you're falling back asleep. And one reason I mentioned that is there's an exciting new um, lucid dreaming induction study that's being planned um, at a few different centers, um, you know, probably starting later this year, where they're going to they're going to combine that sense in it, that sense initiated lucid dreaming technique with what they call targeted lucidity uh, reactivation, um, or TLR for short, which means they they associate some kind of external cue, you know, with with some kind of action or that in this case, they're, they're associating light and sound and um, vibrational haptic feedback um, with, the, they'll actually have the person in REM sleep or they'll detect the person in REM sleep in the sleep lab. And then they'll actually, um, they'll actually deliver these kind of lights and sounds and vibrations to the person. Um, but ahead of time, they'll train them to associate those cues mm. with this kind of mindfulness technique of, 
you know, doing that sense in initiated lucid dreaming technique. Um, but the, the thing is, they'll actually send those cues while the person is in a, is in a dream or when they're in REM sleep um, with the intention of in, inducing a lucid dream by, you know, building these associations between these external cues and this technique. So I'm very curious how we can kind of like bridge the gap between some of these more mental techniques and the technology. And I think that study would be a good way to, um, you know, better understand the potential around that. Yeah, that's cool. So you'd be in a dream and then all of a sudden you see these lights start flashing in and then, then that's the cue to go, yeah. hey, I'm, um, I'm loose. And then you wake up. Right. So and there's, you know, uh, there's like a, a bit of um, personalization to that too. They'll, they'll want to calibrate it. So it's like, you're not flashing lights too bright that it's going to wake the person up or playing the sound yeah. too loud that it's going to wake the person up. But also it's got to be, you know, loud enough for them to incorporate that into the dream to then recognize it. So, yeah, I think personalization is kind of key for some of this stuff, too, where we can't have one-size-fits-all solutions for broad populations that, you know, probably not going to work in this this kind of domain. Yeah, awesome. You and I did an interview with Robert Wagner a little while ago, um, so I'll, I'll link that in the in the notes for this, um, the show notes. And we went more into the depth of things that you can do in lucid dreaming and why you would do lucid dreaming and... Um, and so without, so we won't spend too much time laboring on that here, but it's, it's such an exciting space. It really is just to add a whole other dimension to your being uh, and how we show up and what's possible. So uh, the technology, like what's, what's exciting there? What, what, what are you seeing? I know it's still early, but I know there are some people that are actively innovating in this space. Like what are you, what are you seeing? Yeah. And, and quick plug for, uh, you know, Robert Wagner, he's one of the, um, you know, I think, you know, both nicest people and most like knowledgeable people in the space. And that was the first lucid dreaming book I ever read was gateway to the inner inner self. So that's, he does a great job outlining like, okay, if you become well, like techniques to become lucid, but then also things you could do when you're in a lucid dream, he's got a lot of good tips around how to engage with dream figures or how to engage directly with the dream itself, even beyond the kind of characters in the dream. So um, want to at least give him a plug and recommend that people read his book, Gateway to the Inner Self. That was what well, kind of got me started down the path. Um, awesome. But yeah, as far as um, the, the various technologies I find exciting, I think, um, yeah, there's so much left to discover around the brain and neuroscience right, right now, even if you talk to, to researchers in the space, I think a lot of them would admit it's kind of a crapshoot as far as like, we don't know exactly why certain things work as far as things like transcranial direct current stimulation or magnetic stimulation and effects on the brain. Um, like even now the cause and effect are, are still like a little bit spotty or not as understood as, you know, what, what people might think. So that, that creates a challenge of, how do you be targeted and precise on the dosage of stimulation and where you target it, how you target it? So I feel like there's a lot of um, room left to discover on the kind of parameter space, if you will, as far as like understanding what what parts of the brain are actually involved in lucid dreaming. How do you modulate them in a way that makes the brain more susceptible to go into a lucid dream? It's like there's just a lot of kind of uncharted territory in neuroscience that would be helpful to understand before figuring out how to implement a technology to induce lucid dreaming. Um, but, you know, it's not going to stop people from experimenting. And there's been, you know, several experiments with um, direct current stimulation. That one didn't really pan out. Um, maybe a future one will. 
um, alternating current. Uh, that one was with alternating current stimulation. I was thinking of the Voss. There's a Voss study from 2014. Um, I think, you know, to kind of to kind of tie it up here, I think some of the most promising technology might come from, you know, not necessarily brain stimulation in the near term, but more of this kind of lights and sounds and auditory cues. Um, it's it's more accessible from the the consumer standpoint, or it's um, you know, I, I think there'd be more people willing um, to use a device that uses more of like audio cues or light cues relative to having their their brain stimulated with electricity. You know, even if it's quote unquote non invasive, I think you you would get more people trying it um, if we can actually get the lights and sounds and you know more of the haptic vibrational feedback um, to be able to be incorporated into the dream. Um, so if you were to ask me that, that question of what technology is the most promising, if you were to ask me that a, a year or two ago, I would probably say electrical stimulation and magnetic stimulation. Now I would probably say more like light and sound and vibrational, um, stimulation, but then coupling that with the right kind of, um, mindset training or priming the mind to incorporate those kind of external cues, you know, into the dream to induce lucidity. Um, but yeah, it's still still early. People are trying out all different types of techniques, and that is a, a big part of the fun in the tech for dreaming community. Is we got like quite a few tinkerers and people creating projects and just trying stuff out um, on their own and, and seeing what works, what doesn't work. And you know, th there's definitely a willing community to experiment together with them there at, at Tech for Dreaming. Yeah, awesome. So, um, like, I just. Uh like technology and and then i also consider like meditation and you know just our where, where technology is taking us into the next 20 years you know we're heading into these um into a um, a metaverse realm a world within worlds and i look at this current waking reality and then you've got like another reality which is there to explore which is our, our dreamscape which is seemingly one on two and then, you know, you mentioned psychedelics before that sort of helps us to, again, strip away the, the veil that this waking reality puts or the mind puts and then exploring there. I just wonder, like, like the, with the potential paths moving forward, like what's your take on, you know, as we move into these digital realms, into the metaverse, into worlds within worlds and potentially moving away from our biology, you know, if, if you would believe some of the, the speculation around where we're heading, what comes up for you in, in all that? Yeah, I tend to, um, I tend to be an optimist overall. And I think, I think a lot of problems uh, can be solved by technology. Not all the problems, obviously you got to have the right kind of institutions and, and things surrounding it. But I think the way technology is advancing, I think we're going to see more and more abundance um, distributed. Um, it might not be as evenly distributed as people want, but I think people's basic needs will be met more and more and more as the cost of energy goes down. Um, yeah, as the ability to to grow food, you know, only becomes easier and easier. I think I think we're going to be progressing into a world that's more abundant than ever. Where um, I hope you know jobs will be you know more of an op like optional thing for people. And I think that would be positive because it would free up people's minds to think beyond this kind of tunnel vision of like, I got to work this nine to five job or I, I know some people are working like two to three jobs and, and raising kids. And you can't really think of much beyond that. You're just kind of consumed by 
all this crap coming at yeah, you and you just react yeah. and you can't like you don't have the mental space to think about other stuff so i think we're going to get to this place where you know we evolve more towards abundance and that's going to open up people to have more time and space to think about um things beyond you know like what's what what's right in front of them and i think um naturally people will only think more and more about you know the more existential kind of questions about um you know what is the nature of reality what happens when i die am i more than my physical body or not i think when mm -hmm. people are left to let their minds wander those are some of the natural questions that mm -hmm. will come up for people i'm sure people will you know many people will suppress that because it's uncomfortable to think about death and what happens with you know existence after your your physical body starts to decay right <laughs> it's not the most comfortable subject to think about but i think um more and more people are going to let their minds kind of go in that domain once we're kind of free to do that. And I think technology will help, you know, give people the abundance to have that be more of an option, right? Um, yeah, happy to talk more about any of that and, or like more around, um, you know, lucid, how lucid dreaming could fit into that. Yeah, like I guess um, the promise for technology is like, and, and when we talk about consciousness, it used to be for a lot of people in the West, you'd go to do a film, uh, you'd go to India, you know, and you'd find your guru and you'd, you'd step out of society um, and you'd do the years of practice. And um, like I'm a long-term meditator, 20 plus years now. And for me, it's been one of the most powerful things that have really helped me to understand who I am and, um, and continually ask that question, who am I? Am I that story that I was brought up to believe? Am I the story like, uh, and even question like meditation has really helped provide the foundation to question like even this reality, because it's like a, a conditioned, um, experience. And then as you are able to sit more in that stillness outside of the ongoing narrative, then you open to a whole other um, appreciation for what what is possible. And, you know, if you're within the psychedelic realm, having a peak psychedelic experience, that just blows it even further open. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the opportunity with technology is to really help to accentuate that, to accelerate that, you know, to take what was scarce and make it more abundant, which is like what you're doing with lucid dreaming. Um, I guess the concern though is that the people that are wielding these technologies you know, making sure that they have the, 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 um, welfare of the many, um, in, in their visions, as opposed to, you know, consolidate, the, consolidating the power of the few, because there's a lot of dystopian futures, right. That, um, science fiction, um, movie creators and writers, um, portray and, that it's, it's, it's an option. Um, but for me, like I'm a very much a utopian kind of person, um, in that how, how can we use this technology to really, well, technologies to really help us to evolve and become and see and explore like the fabric of consciousness. Like that's, what's really exciting for me. And like in that really like technology as an extension of our existing consciousness. So in, in, in what I just, Sorry, you go. And, and yeah, like an extension of beyond our biological sensors too. Like we're, we're pretty much bags of meat and bones with biological sensors. You know, we got eyeballs for vision. We got eardrums to hear. We got, you know, nose and tongue and skin. And But it's all it's all finite and limited. You know, we've evolved, you know, from, from primates to have these biological sensors. And we only take in 
a fraction of what what reality is with our yeah with our, our biological sensors. So I think technology can you know help us get beyond our, our basic biology and and contact reality in a in a more authentic, more real way because we're we're kind of getting just a filtered version of it. So I think when you think about getting into a lucid dream, it's kind of like the ultimate metaverse experience, right? Where it's, you're not limited yeah. by your biological sensors anymore. You're, you're free to experience things. And I think that's part of the reason where, you know, when I mentioned, sometimes it feels more real than reality. Um, colors, they seem impossibly vivid. Um, like the tactile senses are like even more rich it, and it's difficult to describe, but it's like, you're not, you're just not constrained in the same way that you are in this, in this kind of reality. And I would put a, you know, like, like you said, a peak psychedelic experience in there. If you want to experience some, you know, something mind blowing, try a, a heavy dose of, of ayahuasca or seven grams of dried psilocybin mushrooms. You'll, you'll make contact with something you didn't think was possible. Cause again, you're kind of getting beyond your, your usual, you know, constrained senses that way. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, I love, um, yeah, the, the thought of like this dreaming already being an extension, like it's already a metaverse. It's already a world within a world. Mm -hmm. Like the perfect metaverse. Yeah. What does a utopian future look like to you, man? Like, what would you consider? How do we use technology to, to lead us into a future, which is more of a utopian reality? Yeah. Assuming we can, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions baked in here, but let's assume we can you know, get to broad abundance as far as like, people don't have to worry about where they get their food. Um, they don't have to worry about, you know, shelter and putting clothes on their back. Like all the basic needs are covered. Um, I, I would view a utopian future as far as just, like giving people freedom to explore what, what is most passionate to them, like serve the purpose they think they're put on this earth to do. Um, right now it's, it's a challenge to do that when again, you're kind of distracted by this other, you know, various BS you got to do in your, your day job or whatever it is. Um, so I, I view this kind of future as like, okay, you get this like time and, and space to explore what is, what is most, what resonates most with you. And I think who people are you? themselves forward, you know, when they do that and, and, you know, hopefully lead from a place of love, not a place from fear and, you know, like build, like push on the things that they, they're most energized to push because they're the ones that, you know, if you're energized to push, you're going to do a great, you're going to, you're going to do a great job you know, whatever that thing is that resonates with you, if, you, if we're free to pursue that thing. Yeah, so it's really freeing us up from the toils of the day to day to really start asking the big questions like, who am I? And, and then exploring that and then exploring the world that we exist in beyond that. And if technology can help support us to do that, and, and, and we're safe, like, then that's, that's an incredible, um, yeah, an incredible vision to explore. Like, there's a lot of work to be done at the moment. Like, our current world is is kind of um, there's still a lot of mistrust and centralization of power, and um, so there's work to be done. But I, I appreciate your your view, man. Um, in, in wrapping up, is there anything else that you would that you want to share? You know, whether it's around tech, uh, the tech. Um, lucid dreaming space or just tech for technology in general, things that we should be considering uh, relevant to consciousness and evolution and our becoming like where, where you see the next 20 years. It's exciting. I feel like we're, we're kind of early to the party here um, for the kind of thing around, um, you know, call it transhumanism, call it human self-improvement, 
heard people call it optimalism. It's the idea of like, how do you take a human from a good state to excellent state and, and just yeah. use technology to just make them better and the whole world becomes better every time each individual becomes better. Um, so I think, you know, that, that space is super exciting to me. Like I'm committed to be in the space for the decades to come here. And I, I'm just really excited about, you know, the lucid dreaming part of that, you know, at least from my perspective, I'm, you know, blessed to have like some pretty good abilities with lucid dreaming kind of naturally, at least after the, the sleep apnea got fixed. So I think, um, there's a lot of exciting things that we can do to, to make lucid dreaming more accessible uh, to more people. And that's, you know, that's really the goal of Tech for Dreaming. So I would encourage people to, um, you know, follow uh, Tech for Dreaming on Twitter. We got a Twitter handle. We got um, a Discord server that, you know, we got some pretty active discussions in there. Uh, we try to do events every every month or two. Um, so we'll keep those going. We've got the next one on uh, October 11th uh, coming up here. And um yeah, just really excited to see where the space goes. It feels like um, like this heap of dry wood that's wait, just waiting to catch a spark. I think there's like so much untapped potential in it. And from my viewpoint, I think it's inevitable. It's just a matter of, of when. Um, and I think, you know, there's, yeah, there, there's a lot of exciting stuff in the future here. Thanks, brother. I really, I really resonate with what you're saying. I'm as excited to spend the next 20 years exploring the nature of reality and worlds mm -hmm. within worlds within worlds within worlds and just all the way to infinity. It's um, just such an exciting, um, and I guess we're blessed to be able to have these conversations. Thanks for taking the time to jump on and look forward to having more conversations with you around this as, um, as we journey together in the next 20 years and beyond. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me today. I like, really enjoyed the discussion. Yeah, awesome, brother. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Right. Two Paths Podcast is a production of I Am Connected, a digital platform dedicated to the evolution of consciousness. Check us out at IamConnected.com.